can you succeed in raising your children to have unshakable faith in Jesus Christ, especially when the odds seem to be stacked so high against you? Our children are bombarded with images and messages every day that contradict the teachings of Jesus. And as parents, it's easy for us to feel outmanned and outgunned in our battle to shape their hearts and minds into committed followers of Christ. But the victory is ours for the taking. God has given us everything we need to equip our children for the life He's called them to. So join us today as we engage in the crucial conversations that will help you discover and apply the tools you need to raise your kids with unshakable faith in Jesus. And now, welcome to Unshakable Faith. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Dr. Steve Hubler, president of Legacy Family Ministries. And I'm Melissa Hubler. And we are your hosts for Unshakable Faith. I want to welcome everyone who's joining us today, whether you've joined us here live on Faith Talk 1360, or whether you've connected with us through our podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're just happy that you're with us today. Well, we're going to do something today that I hadn't originally planned on doing, because I'm kind of type A when I make a plan for something, I wanted to stick to it, um, especially with this stuff. But uh, today we're going to break away from our Master the Basics series for a few weeks, and we're going to do that so that we can capture what I think is an opportune moment, one where God has worked very powerfully amid some very difficult circumstances, and in doing so, he's provided us with some great practical insight on how to build a real, live, unshakable faith into our kids amid real circumstances in the real world. So I decided... Let's not delay. Let's seize the opportunity before us and pass these great insights along to our legacy families. Today, we're going to start that off by talking about how to build faith into our kids amidst trials. But before we dive into that, I want to offer a quick reminder that we have several free resources that are available to you that are coming out of our series, Master the Basics. So we have currently gone over identity, worldview, insecurity, and technology, and we have resources for you regarding all of these. So if you have missed those shows, feel free to uh, go back and listen to them on the podcast, but you can go to our website, www.legacyfamilyministries.com, and there is a pop-up box right on our homepage where you can sign up for our newsletter and you can select any of those resources that you are interested in. Yeah, we'd love to get those out to you. Well, I want to introduce our guest today. She's a familiar name around our house because she's family, but uh, she might be becoming a familiar name to you, and that is Amy Sun. Amy, we're so glad you're here today. Oh, thank you. It's good to be here. Melissa, why don't you uh, just give us a, a quick introduction to Amy? All right. Well, Amy comes to us as a retired missionary. She spent many years overseas, and she is now a retired elementary school teacher because she has just come on staff full-time with Legacy Family Ministries, and we are super happy to have her here with us. After 26 years of education and many years of being overseas as a missionary, she is now our newest staff member. Very good. Yeah, I noticed you retired twice. <laughs> you just keep coming back. God keeps using me. <laughs> Very good. Well, let me just kind of set the stage for our conversation today. 
Back on December 7th, we aired a show where we talked about discovering the purpose of Jesus during his earthly ministry and how we should live in light of that in this world. Now, specifically, we were dialing in on how we can live according to Jesus' example and how we can use that to shape the faith of our kids along the way. Now, Amy, you were our guest on that show, and you and Melissa shared some stories about what this process looked like in your home. You shared a few compelling stories about how your parents helped you to live as the hands and feet of Jesus. And at the end, you were both mentioning that in addition to being committed to giving to others and you're in their times of need, it's important to be willing to accept the generosity of others when you are the one who is enduring hardship. We didn't really mean that to be prophetic at all. (laughs) (laughs) And yet. But then after the show, you know, we all went down to a nearby restaurant. We're getting something to eat, kind of like we usually do. And at the end of our meal, something happened. Amy, why don't you share that story with us? All right. Thank you both so much for letting me come share this. And I want to start by saying this story is not my story. It's God's story. He's the one that orchestrated it. He's the one who uh, was with me through this whole journey. So, Everything is to glorify him, nothing to glorify me. Yeah, and you know, on the day that we recorded last in here together, the end of that day as I was driving home amidst terrible circumstances, um, I was thinking this day today is going to arrive (laughs) because I knew that we were going to see God do some amazing things and we were going to be in this studio today sharing this story. So I'm super excited for it. You spoke that prophetically over us in the midst of it. Mm -hmm. And here we are on the other side of it. So. Yeah, it has been a crazy journey for six months, um, but really just for three months is the craziness of it. Uh, so we finished the broadcast here, had lunch, and at the very end, I got a phone call, and it was my 15-year-old son calling. And my kids call regularly, so I don't panic when I when they call me. I'm, I'm used to it. In fact, probably the opposite of that. I thought that he was joking as he called me, and he was very calm, and he said, Mom, are you sitting down? And I said, "Um, yeah, I'm eating lunch. Of course, I'm sitting down. That's never a good start, is it? (laughs) (laughs) And yet I still thought he was joking. So he proceeds to tell me that he was, uh, he had something bad to tell me, that he was in an accident and that he had a broken leg. But he was super calm as he's telling me this and still asking me if I'm okay. So I still think, this, why are you doing this to me? This is not nice of you. But then I heard a woman in the background who's yelling, and she's saying, this is bad. This is really bad. I'm calling an ambulance right now. And so my brain started dialing into the fact that something actually had happened and that he was not joking. So what it was was a bicycle accident, so not a car accident. A lot of people have misunderstood that when we say the word accident. It was just a freak thing. He was riding on the bike paths near our house. He hit gravel, slid, the bike tires slid out from under him, and he fell. It happens to a lot of people. Well, I've slid in that same spot because yeah. I've ridden that trail. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I've talked to so many people who said the same exact thing has happened to them. But what was different in his case is that his bike just happened to land on his leg in exactly the wrong angle, and it snapped his tibia and his fibula. And so he knew immediately it was broken. Like He could tell. He couldn't use his leg. It was hanging at an odd angle. So my brain started scrambling automatically. What do I do? I'm across town. Of course, this happens when I'm all the way across town in rush hour traffic. I have to get home. And you guys needed to get home because you were here with me. But um, Melissa ended up, you ended up driving me. Yeah, it was a no-brainer. Get in the car. I'm driving. (laughs) (laughs) And you had to rent a car to get home yourself. Thank you for that. Um, So while she's driving, I am frantically trying to get a hold of somebody 
to help, like who can go help my child. I was very clear that there was no ambulance that was to be called because I knew I couldn't afford an ambulance. So I found a friend that my son would feel safe with. She immediately went to his rescue. I got my daughter out of school and her friend had to drive her and they all went to him at that spot. Um, So the first of many examples of God stepping in and loving on him was that his accident just happened. I quote those just happened because that's a God thing uh, right next to a COVID testing site. And the woman who just happened to be working there that day was a nurse and she heard him call for help. And so she was able to run over there and help him. She had also just happened to have the same exact injury to her leg that she was. It was her first week back to work. Um, (laughs) So she knew exactly what had happened when she saw it and what to do about it. So she used a COVID testing sign and a T-shirt to create the best splint the hospital had ever seen and wrap up his leg to stabilize it. And then uh, they got him loaded into the car. I don't know how because he's a big kid, Um, but they did. And then the timing worked out perfectly so that as we pulled up to the hospital, they pulled up just minutes after and we were able to get him transferred from the car to the wheelchair inside. And within minutes, they had him inside of a room. And the hospital was overflowing with people. Like the hallways were lined with people who were hurting, but they walked him right into a room and immediately started caring for him. So over the course of the next few hours, we kind of learned the extent of the injuries. Of course, I'm sitting there thinking, just give him a cast so I can go home. Like, why is this taking so long? (laughs) In his mind, he knew surgery would be required. So he, in his mind, he was already ready for the long haul and the long stay. So once they got the x-rays done, they saw that his leg bones were shattered into more pieces than they were able to count, that surgery would be uh, inevitable the next day, that there would be a hospital stay required. And um, after surgery was completed the next day, the surgeon said that the break was much worse than they thought. His ankle was also shattered. So they ended up having to put a titanium rod through his tibia from his knee down to his ankle and then use a metal plate to pull his ankle together. And then we start the recovery process. Yeah, long road. Mm -hmm. And in the midst of that, you've got a 15-year-old who has now gone from being active in school every day to being incapacitated. And all of those hopes for his school year are just left hanging. It's all left in the balance. It was a rough school year because he'd already had COVID and had missed a couple weeks of school on quarantine, had finally gotten back into class, and now this had happened. Yeah, Yeah, that's not what I would call a good day. So no. at this point in the <laughs> story, <laughs> yes, true. Um, but so at this point in the story, Amy, you're looking at a pretty impossible situation and you've got two choices. You can either crumble under the weight of the circumstances or you can put some feet on your own faith and, and start moving forward. And thankfully, you chose the latter. Could you take a minute to just clarify for us what the faith challenges were that you were facing? Or in other words, what exactly did you find yourself having to trust Jesus for? One of the giants that always looms, and it's why I'm a fanatic about safety, and it's the financial end of things. So this was my biggest fear come to life. I've always instilled safety because I don't want to have to deal with the finances at the end of it. So my immediate thought was, how am I going to pay for this? But the lady from the insurance company immediately told me, you take care of your son. We will take care of the finances on the other end. And so I took her words to heart, and I decided to live in that and just focus on my son So as I said, that was my greatest fear. And I don't also do medical things at all. So I've always prayed. Yeah, you love the sight of blood, don't you? (laughs) I will pass out. (laughs) 
<laughs> I've always prayed protection around my kids, but I confess it's a selfish prayer. It's because I don't want to have to deal with all that goes along with it. So in this situation, I, I saw my prayers answered, but in a way that I would not have anticipated. So I saw that the devil wanted to take out my son, and he did a great job trying. But what I also saw was that God loved my son and put things instantly into place to counteract the work of the enemy. So God flipped the work of the devil on its head and took what was intended to evil for evil and began to build our faith from that. I saw while sitting in the emergency room that my worst nightmare while still bad, wasn't as bad as I had always feared because God was with us. I could have peace, and CJ also chose to have peace, and that peace came out in the maturity that rose up with him. He never cried. He never complained. He didn't get angry. He didn't get depressed, and he didn't start asking God why this happened. He had the greatest attitude, and that challenged me to have a great attitude in the midst of what was a giant happening in my life. Another giant was logistics because I'm a single mom of three, and you guys don't live near me anymore. So (laughs) that leaves me on my own with a lot of things that I used to have help for. So it was an instant scramble in my brain of what am I going to do and how am I going to take care of everybody when I can't be with everybody now. So one of my three kids needed 95% of my attention for an extended period of time, not just for part of a day, but for weeks. And that was tough on the other two, But again, in God's gracious timing, my daughter had just gotten her driver's license. I think it was the week before. And so she was able to take care of my youngest. She was able to drive him to school, get herself to school. And he was 13 at the time. She was able to come to the hospital, leave the car for me so that I could go home and shower and she could stay with him. Um, And then people just came. The saying is out of the woodwork, but really they came out of Facebook Because when I posted what happened, um, we had meals set up. Breakfast was delivered to me at the hospital while I was waiting for my son in surgery. We were donated two wheelchairs, three types of walkers, a set of crutches, a shower and toilet seat. So all of these things that to me were a logistic nightmare to figure out how to get it all, they were just dropped off at my house. Then a neighbor came like clockwork every 12 hours for two weeks to give him shots in the arm that he had to have. The shots should have cost $700, but another person stepped up and researched and figured out how we could get them for $13. A friend who was a nurse practitioner came to change his bandages every day, which was a huge blessing because the first time we tried to change him, I about passed out (laughs) because he not only had internal injuries, he had external injuries as well from the bike um, gouging his leg. And then gifts started to arrive. Snacks, cards of encouragement came in for my son. So we were instantly surrounded, and all those logistics that I had worried about fell into place, and that worry was lifted off my shoulders. So then there was the giant of fear, because it's terrifying to know your child is hurting, and there's nothing you can do to stop it, and there's nothing you can do to make it better. You don't know what's going on or happening in the hospital, because they don't communicate a lot with you. So it's disorienting. There's fear of the bills coming in, fear of changing bandages, fear of hurting him more as I move his, him around the house, fear that I'll pass out and not be strong for him. So there's a lot of rough moments for me. But um, those times when it became overwhelming, God carried me through, through the exhaustion. He built my faith, built my strength, and taught me that I could handle more than I ever thought I could. Yeah. You know, I, 
if I wanted to go on a rabbit trail here, I could probably list about seven or eight huge blessings that you mentioned there as far as God's provision. But yeah. I don't. I want to get to, to some of the really good parts here that I know are still coming in the story. And Amy, as you were seeking to, to walk through that, I know that there was some intentional and unintentional modeling that you did about what faith looks like for your kids. But what kind of steps did you take to be intentional about teaching them how to walk in faith as you guys moved through this together? When you're in the midst of a traumatic situation like this, the last thing on your mind is, how can I be intentional with my kids? Yeah, it's how can I get through the day is yeah. what's on your mind. It's survival. Um, your survival instincts kick in. Um, adrenaline hits. So you have to lay the groundwork in advance. If I hadn't been spending time every morning writing God's word and in prayer, I don't think I would have been in a place to experience God the same way I did through this situation. So I recognized his hand was at work because I'd been leaning on his character. Intentionality has to be consistent on a daily basis before the trauma comes so that when the trauma comes, you're already well-trained in how to live by faith. So in that moment of chaos or panic, what comes out of you is peace. It's a piece of Jesus flowing out of you. And I hate to say these words, but it's not cussing that comes out of you. It's not impatience, yelling, the freak out moment. Mm-hmm. So with CJ, I had a lot of time to talk with him, not just in the hospital, but during the weeks of recovery at home. There were um, tremendous ways that God moved. We prayed constantly. We worshiped God together. We talked about the book of Job together. We committed the medical bills to the Lord together. My daughter told me that she saw a huge change in her brother as the result. She told me that she saw them getting along better. She saw his faith grow. He started attending Christian club at school once he was back at school. He joined a small group, and then he went forward for prayer for healing. So it was truly life-changing for him, not only physically, but in his relationship with the Lord. We got to a place fairly quickly of being able to thank God for the accident. And that was a huge moment for us because, and my son thought I was weird for saying, I thank God this happened, because it's weird to thank God for something bad that happens. But when he does so much good in the midst of it, that's all you can do is thank him for his love and his outpouring in your life. And I just asked my son this week, so what do you think you learned from this, from God? And his response really touched my heart, but I speak this to the people listening who helped us. He said that he learned people loved him, that people he didn't even know showed up to love on him, and that taught him that God loved him as well. That's awesome. That's really what brought the change in him, brought him back to the Lord, so he rededicated his life to Christ. So with the, re- the other kids, it wasn't as natural because I wasn't with them as much. There was more impatience coming out of me. But uh, we walked through it day by day and step by step. And um, together we prayed and the healing felt slow day by day. But what we saw take place was a miracle. So we were told it would take a year for recovery. But three months to the day after his accident, we went on a family hiking trip and CJ was beating me up the mountain. So that was a really huge day of rejoicing that instead of a year for recovery, it was three months to like complete recovery, him, him booking it up that mountain. So the other area that I was able to pour into my kids was through medical bills because I said, you're going to walk through this every step of the way. I'm not hiding anything from anybody. So we sat down as the bills came in and we looked at them and there was $140,000 in hospital bills that did not include the surgeon, anesthesiologist and physical therapist. It made my son a bit angry to see those, but we claimed Mark eleven twenty three, which says, 
Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. So for us, the medical bills were our mountain, and we proclaimed that they were going to be cast into the sea. We chose not to doubt. Never once. I said, I'm not doubting. I did not go back and revisit it. We claimed it, and then we watched as one by one, God took care of every single one of those bills. And my kids got a front row seat to that, and it deepened their belief in God, which led to a lot of praising God Mm. and then our faith increasing. Yeah, I know with those bills, before they started coming in, we've talked about you, know, you kind of estimate what you think they're going to be, mm-hmm. and then you make a plan, because that's what we do. I mean, I think it's human nature to try to plan out, how am I going to deal with this? How am I going to deal with this? And when the the thought is twenty or 30000 it's like, it's horrible. It's more than you make in a year, but you can figure out how to deal with twenty or thirty or even forty thousand dollars. When it came in at one hundred and forty thousand plus, it was laughable yeah, because it comes to the point of saying, "I can't do any of this, but God can." Yeah. And sometimes you have to be in that point of being so completely in over your head that you can just say, "God, I can't, but you can." And so we are going to trust that you will, yeah. or that you already have. And so being able to just worship God and say, this is done, it's yours. It was a great thing to walk through, even with our kids, you know, 100 miles away, but saying, hey, this is where we're at, and we're going to worship God that he has already taken care of this. And then to go back to them afterwards and say, look what he did. (laughs) That was the best. Yeah, there's definitely an advantage of being in a place where you can't fool yourself into thinking that you can do it on your own. And then... um, And then to walk through it the way that you guys did, I mean, it just provides an excellent, excellent real life example for your kids that when they pray, there actually is someone listening. I mean, it's because it's so easy to feel like you're just sending them up and they're hitting the roof, right? But uh, yeah, that was, when I heard that, Bill, I was angry. (laughs) It's like, oh my gosh, that's that's insane. I wasn't surprised. Um, But uh, yeah, that's pretty incredible. Um, You said something along the way that I think bears a little bit more ferreting out here because uh, it's it's probably the biggest takeaway that I think when I asked you about modeling or, you know, being intentional about uh, modeling faith for your kids in a situation like this, you went back to the fact that this is something that you, you got to do all the time mm-hmm. so that when everything falls apart, you just do it naturally. Yeah. You're, you're not having to learn it in the middle of the, the mess. And it's like, forgive the analogy, I guess, because this doesn't apply to everyone out there. But, uh, you know, we had law enforcement in my family and you know, and you're around cops, they talk about their training and that the training is so important to, to do it all the time because then when you're in that, that split-second situation, it's all muscle memory. You know, you just yeah. do what you're trained to do. And it's like I think that principle transfers over to, uh, to us parents that if, if, if we're not being intentional about living in faith ourselves, then we can't model it and we can't teach it to our kids. But if we're doing that every day, I mean, even if we're not doing it well, because really a lot of the times I don't think I do it that well. I have whole weeks where it's like flush that one, (laughs) start over on Monday, you know, but uh, at least if we're on the path, then then we've got something to fall back on as, you know, this is our natural state before Jesus as we move forward in the midst of the mess. There's a well-worn path that we have with the Holy Spirit. And when we are at the end of ourselves, he is more than capable always of being the pilot, not the co-pilot, but the pilot. (laughs) And the other thing I thought you said that I thought bears repeating was the fact that you didn't hide anything from you didn't hide the giants. The the thing is you can't anyways. I mean, I remember being young and my parents going through bad things, you know, difficult things. You might as well just point it out. (laughs) 
I mean, there's there's an age appropriate way to do that, of course. You know, when they're older, you can you can be a little bit more forthcoming with with how bad things might be, but that really does set the stage for them to see all that God does. Because otherwise, you know, he he moves the mountain and they shrug their shoulders because they missed it because you concealed it from them. It's a part of the faith becoming theirs. They don't just see us have faith, and then when they grow up, they go, "Oh well, walk away." But it becomes their faith because they're walking it with you. Right. Yeah, and you know, it goes back to that bridge illustration I've shared. You know, here and there, you're you're looking across the chasm. You got an unsolvable problem, like not only his healing, but the bills and the whole logistical mess and all that. And then, you know, they watch you walk across the bridge and it doesn't fall. So then you take them and pretty soon they're walking across it on their They're trusting God's word. That's walking across the bridge. But yes, that there's so much more to the story. We're going to get to some more of this stuff, things that God did in our show next week. So please tune in and, and join us for that one because you don't want to miss it. But uh, we're out of time for today. I want to thank all of you for joining us. Today, also, I want to remind you that uh, you can go to our website at LegacyFamilyMinistries.com and you can request any of those free resources on identity, worldview, building security in your kids, and taming technology. They're free. Just go to the text box. It's not a text box. It's, it's a, a pop-up box. It's a pop-up box, yeah. Put in your information. We'll get them right out to you. But thanks again for coming. We will see you guys next week.